Good to see you all. I don't know if you've ever noticed this uh, strange, uh, I don't know if it's strange or humorous, uh, occurrence that we do at church. It's called a retreat. Uh, uh, I experienced this with my wife uh, during the summer. Uh, the allure and the attraction to me uh, was the idea of getting away to some really uh, spectacularly beautiful place and uh, being alone and uh, connecting with the Lord and uh, being refreshed. Uh, and this particular retreat was for pastors. It was uh, you know, particularly appealing because it was paid for by the Vineyard Movement. Uh, so, you know, that's an added plus. But uh, the, the funny thing about retreats is, although the pictures are perfect and alluring, to make them affordable, you have to crush a lot of people in a little space. You know, and that appeal of like getting away, being alone, seeking the Lord, and then being on top of each other and crammed into a little space. I mean, if you've done retreats after a while, you realize you've got to forego sleeping. You know, sleeping and retreats, they don't go together. You just kind of... You know, if it's a men's retreat, uh, you've got to get used to snoring. I mean, a sympathy on all your wives. You know, you, you've kind of got used to your husband snoring. But when all us husbands get together, we're not used to each other snoring. <laughs> so, you know, there's this tension there with this retreat. You know, you've got beautiful settings and snoring husbands. Yeah, right. Well, uh, but uh, on this particular retreat we went to, uh, it, it was particularly interesting to me because I met somebody uh, that was a very unusual person. Her name was Lisa, and she was uh, from Milwaukee. She was the, the wife of the senior pastor from the Milwaukee Vineyard. Uh, and uh, my personality is one where I really enjoy meeting people. And uh, it, I suppose in that sense, I'm a little extroverted. But actually, I'm really introverted as a person. So uh, I guess it's a funny mix. But uh, we were standing in line, and you got the classic uh, awkwardness. A whole bunch of group, a whole bunch of people coming together. You don't know each other, and now uh, you have to try and get to know each other. And you know, it's a classic small talk. So, uh, in our particular case, we were in line to have dinner, and there was only about 14 of us, so it's not a long line. But uh, I introduced myself to this lady, and it goes like any, you know, normal sort of. Uh, introduction would be, hi, I'm Rob, uh, uh, you know, and then the person would say, yeah, I'm Lisa, and then you say, well, where are you from? And she says, Milwaukee, and, uh, you know, then typically somebody asks the return question, uh, but in her case, which is often the case, uh, somebody uh, picks up on my accent, and then they say, well, where are you from? And then I say, well, Boston, and... Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, somebody normally follows up with, but that's not a Boston accent. <laughs> but they did ask me where I'm from, not where my accent is from. Uh, you know, so in the 1% of the time, you know, one out of ten, when people are like, why Boston? They just got a really different accent to what I thought of. I don't, maybe, you know, these people in America don't know how people speak in Boston. I don't know. But anyway, I was in line with, this, uh, with Lisa, and she asked me, well, you know, where's your accent from? And uh, uh, I answered her, and... And before I could ask her a you know, polite follow-up question, she was already like zoning in. I mean, I could see she was focused and sort of listening intently to what I was saying. And the follow-up question was, so when did you leave South Africa? And then like right after that was, so did you get involved in the military? And, and followed up by that question. Now, I didn't get a chance to even ask her a question. She's like, 
Okay, so what exactly, what branch of the military were you in, and, and uh, what was your experience in that? And, and the next minute, we're talking about my parents' birth, and, uh, and they're, they're living in Zimbabwe, and, you know, finally, we sit down for lunch and, I, and for dinner, and, I, and I'm thinking, I've revealed my soul to this lady. <laughs> How did that happen? It's only been like five minutes, and I've got no clue who she is. All I know is her name's Lisa, and she's from Milwaukee. Well, when, when we finally sat down, I, I, I got my chance to ask a question. And I said to her, I said, Lisa, are you one of these people like that are really, really, really smart? Like you're the top of your class. And she went bright red and, you know, she's all, like, how did you know? She said, oh, my gosh, with all those questions, I mean, you must be brilliant. I mean, if you're really that interested in, like, mundane things like that, I mean, you've got to be smart. Well, she was busted, and, you know, she really was smart. I mean, she was just had that curious personality. But today, I, I, I want to talk about being good listeners. And uh, what picked up on this trait from Lisa was she was just a, like a phenomenally good listener. I, I don't know that she was trying to be a good listener. I think just the way God had wired her, she just was, like, interested in people. Uh, she was also really, really, really shy. I mean, so it was a, 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 a wonderful, um, you know, as time developed, we had a wonderful uh, chance to get to know each other and uh, see how she deals with or battles with her difficulty of any sort of public speaking. But on the other hand, how she's developed this great coping mechanism of asking great questions so she doesn't have to talk. You know, she just gets you to talk. <laughs> but uh, anyway, today I, I want to... Uh, get out of the sermon, what I want for you to get out of this sermon is, is how do we become uh, good listeners, but not just good listeners so we're good listeners, good listeners so we can be good doers. Uh, that is, how can we listen to the Word of God so that we can do the Word of God? Or how can we be connected to Jesus so that we can be His servants? You know, how do we receive from the Lord and hear from his word uh, in such a way that it transforms our life and we actually apply it and we become the type of person that uh, Jesus wants us to become. Uh, so let me just pray. Jesus, I, I am asking that uh, you would transform me and you would transform every person here, that our lives would look more and more like you. Lord, uh, I, I pray that uh, our thoughts would be the thoughts you want us to have. And our meditation would be the things you want us to meditate on. And our actions would be the things that you want us to take action on. Uh, Lord, I know that uh, you, want us, you want us to spend the rest of our life becoming more like you. And so, Lord, I just pray with the sermon this morning that you'd help me to preach it with power and uh, with your anointing in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, Last week, we started the series in the book of James, and uh, the title of the series, uh, Be Wise, uh, Wisdom, and uh, last week's message, if you didn't hear it, you can, I think, hear it online. Uh, Ken Lindy does a good job uh, putting some of these, uh, putting us, the messages up online, and you can uh, listen to them. And I encourage you to do that because some of this builds as we go through the book of James. Uh, and last week, and I was talking about wisdom, I was saying sometimes wisdom is a little bit com complicated, as in 
this whole idea about getting a truth that's not exactly obvious at the beginning and then applying it uh, is helpful. Uh, so uh, last week we are talking about character being more important than comfort. But today's uh, message is the exact opposite. It's a sort of easy message to grasp that you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to get the wisdom. It's sort of like saying to your kid, listen, don't go out in the lake. The ice is less than an inch thick, and uh, you kind of get it. You don't have to say, okay, let me dig into the depths of this wisdom. <laughs> if, you don't, if you mess up, you'll just go through. It's, it's that obvious. So uh, if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you open it to, to James chapter 1, or if you're following along on your cell phone, uh, James chapter 1 in the New Living Translation. And this is what it says in verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Well, it doesn't take a lot of uh, thinking to get it on that uh, verse. You need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Well, uh, this might be the kind of message where, you know, spouse is giving the elbow to her husband, listen, I told you you need to listen to me. You know, listen up, would you? Uh, or you think, geez, I wish my spouse had come to today's uh, sermon. He, he needs to listen up. But uh, I've, if you've got a bulletin insert and you want to pull it out, uh, the first point I'm making using a sporting analogy, uh, you know, we've got Patriots going today, but hey, we can also think about our beloved Red Sox, reverse the curse. Uh, and so we have this curse, if you would, of doing the exact opposite. Uh, we we often quick to get angry, uh, quick to speak, and just slow to listen. Uh, you know, you get it when you're in traffic. You know, somebody cuts you off, they're in a hurry, and they get angry at you, and uh, you know, you just it's, get involved in a work scenario where you know everybody's uh, ramped up. And the energy levels are high and uh, anxiety is high. I mean, tempers are uh, short or people's patience are short. And, and it's not like you're in an environment where people are saying, okay, well, let me just, uh, you know, try and understand your concerns or why you're so cranky today. Or, you know, let's, no, let's just get action. Let's do it. Let's produce. And uh, anger and uh, telling is common, whereas sitting back and actually listening is not as common, uh, not so common to, uh, to hear, listen to others. So uh, there's the curse of getting angry over small things. Uh, there's also the curse of self-focus, of self-interest, of self-importance, where you just want to talk about you. Uh, you know, the thing that's most pressing for you when you're in a conversation with somebody else is to talk about you. Uh, unlike Lisa, you're not wired to really intrinsically just ask and find out about the other person and just be caring about the other person. Uh, you also know, uh, I don't know what rules you have at your home, but in our home, uh, when we have dinner, dinner's like a sort of a sacred time in our house. 
uh, it would not be okay to whip out my cell phone and while we're having dinner and having family dialogue to be just quickly checking up on a few emails and emergency, you know, conversation. No, that, that's just like totally illegal in our house. Uh, I mean, if you want to be like uh, kicked out immediately, uh, just pull out a cell phone over dinner. Uh, and uh, for the teenagers going on dates, let me just uh, suggest that uh, don't take your cell phone out on, on, on your date. Like, my daughter was invited for a blind date. This was really crazy. I mean, she, she's up for these sort of things. I, I don't know, she's just got a big heart. So she goes with this guy, and this guy is unable to communicate. Like, he doesn't talk. And uh, so it's very awkward, and at this, like, date, uh, I think it was a prom of his or something. And uh, halfway through, like, my daughter's phone goes. So she's like, well, not much happening. Whips out her phone and reads the text and says, are we having a good time? <laughs> she looks at the guy and says, did you send me this text? <laughs> Let me just suggest that was the end of that. <laughs> so 101, uh, you know, if you're going to go out and it's a special occasion, don't whip out that cell phone. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> but uh, how do we uh, develop a, an attitude of not being so uh, self-focused? Uh, you know, how do we, uh, you know, have this attitude that even a three-year-old uh, manages to do? I don't know if you've had any three-year-olds and they seem to have this why question. It's sort of funny, you know, they go from, the twos, they're struggling. All of a sudden, somewhere along in the development, they need to ask why. And I mean, they're the greatest question is out. Why? And you give them an answer. Why? And you give them another answer. Why? And finally, it's like, just stop asking why, you know? <laughs> and, and, but that's really like, you should never say that to a kid. You know, a kid that's like asking why, they're asking questions. And that's the way of growing and developing and getting smart. If you want your kids to be smart, don't stop them asking the why question. But, you know, some of the people that are the most loved and uh, people like being around most uh, are people in our church like John Gargan. You know, John is one of the elders here at the church. There's John, you know. <laughs> now, why does everybody like John so much? Why is he like one of the most loved people in the church? Because he's a counselor for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, what does a counselor do? He, he doesn't give you any advice. He just sits there and says, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And after 40 minutes, you like just feel great. I was like, John, that was so helpful. Thank you so much. And I mean, I feel much better. The weight's off my shoulders. Uh, all my problems are solved. And John's, uh-huh, okay, see you next week. I mean, you know how that works. Why? Because he's listening to you. I mean, in a world where everybody just wants to tell and tell and tell, I mean, if you listen to somebody, it's a form of being loved. And we like to be listened to. I mean, that's why I'm just so enjoying this. You just like listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, there is a sense here that uh, God really does design family uh, dynamics, you know, from the young three-year-old asking the why question to busy parents. And then you get grandparents. And often uh, grandparents are so loved by, uh, you know, tiny tots because they've got time. And, you know, the little kid can come up and got this big boo-boo. And then, you know, grandparents says, oh, show me your boo-boo. Oh, how did that happen? And you just got all this time and you just listen. 
Meantime, you know, when you're a regular parent, it's like, oh, get over it. That's not a boo. Let's move on. I've got <laughs> soccer practice in five minutes, you know. You know. So, you know, mom and dad, oh, kids like gravitating to grandparents, love me, Grammy, grandpa, I took so much time and talk about my boo-boo. I mean, people want to be listened, listened to. We want to be listened to. Uh, and listening is a form of loving. So uh, when James says here, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen. Yeah, there, there's something to that. I mean, everybody gets it. Kid gets it. We know when we go to counseling, we get it. Uh, grandparents just do it well. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Uh, and carries on, and it says, human, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So God is really saying to us, look, he does want us uh, to get rid of traits, uh, aspects in our lives which are just not godly. And he does want us to develop attributes, traits, characteristics that are more like Christ-like. I mean, Christ was perfect. You know, so we can always look to Christ and say, well, how would he do it? Uh, what was Christ's response? And we don't get a sense that Jesus was, you know, an angry person. We don't get a sense that Jesus was somebody that was hard to uh, either listen to or he always had time for people and often like outcasts in society, he had time for them. Uh, he'd make time for them. Uh, Jesus indeed wants us to spend the rest of our lives becoming more and more like him, getting rid of these, you know, often frustrating traits. Like we'll know that we're angry or we know that we frustrated, and God's saying, get rid of it. Uh, not always so easy to just do that, though, uh, getting rid of these traits, getting rid of uh, the things which annoy us. But uh, again, if you're following along in your bulletin insert, uh, my next point here is just do it. Just do it. You know, uh, let's not make it too complicated. God is saying, change, adjust, just do it. Well, what's the it? Uh, let me suggest that the it is the Word of God. In this case, uh, follow along with me in verse 22. But don't just listen to the Word of God. You must do what it says. Don't just listen, but do it. Do what the Word of God says. Uh, God is really interested in us taking the Word of God and allowing it to filter through us to so change us from within that we actually want to, to do it. And uh, within this, there's two points that I want to uh, raise here in how do we just do it? How do we actually do it? How do we come more like Christ? How do we uh, look at his word, where it says here in verse 22, how do we not just listen to the word, but actually do what it says? Well, the first help we get in just doing it is actually in the middle of verse 21. If we back up a little, it says we need to humbly accept the Word of God. I mean, the starting point needs to be a resolution in your soul that the Word of God is actually going to help us, that the Word of God really is inspired, 
that the, real, the Word of God really is and has the ability to change us. Uh, once you've like, overcome that obstacle and you're not just you know, looking at it as another book, it's not a history book, it's not an autobiography, it's a book that God uses to change us. Once you've got to that point, uh, you can accept that the Word of God can change us. Now, let me just perhaps uh, suggest that the way this mechanism works is a little, uh, I won't say mysterious, but it is spiritual, meaning this. When you accept Christ, when you make the decision to say, God, I want to follow you, God, you are real, and I invite you to live within me. You say, Holy Spirit, uh, come and live within me. Uh, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. God, I acknowledge that you exist. Uh, you invite the Holy Spirit, you're inviting Jesus to live within you. Something dramatic happens. It's not always obvious at the moment. But what happens is you have the Spirit of God, the living Word within you. Now, when you read the Bible, uh, God uses the Spirit within you as you read His Word to have phrases, paragraphs, stories resonate with us, to jump out at us, uh, to re respond. It's, in that sense, the Bible's like no other book. It's not like, okay, you know, I've read this book of James, and uh, I read it twice. It was really helpful. Uh, it was very interesting. In fact, I loved it so much, I memorized it. I've got the whole book memorized, uh, and now I must be a perfect person. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. The way it works is uh, you read the book, and uh, you read it again, and you read it for the 400th time, and each time you read it, you're expecting God to speak to you. You know, so today you're hearing what I'm saying, you're saying, wow, this whole idea about listening and speaking, and you, and you sort of, if, if the Spirit of God is convicting you on this, and you're saying, you know, you really are an angry person, and God is saying, you need to reverse this order. Uh, you need to get rid of your anger, you get, need to get rid of all your talking, and the solution is really to start listening, listen a lot more, uh, then that's the Word of God speaking to you. That's the way God speaks to us. We'll read the same story again and again, but each time there's something which is happening as we go through the Word of God. Uh, in fact, James gives us a great example of how we do this. It says in the rest of verse 22, uh, well, let me read 22 again, but don't just listen to the Word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Uh, it's a wonderful example. You know, you can, uh, on the one hand, look at yourself in the mirror and just, it's a brief, quick thing. You might, you know, fix your hair quickly, adjust your glasses, your collars will turn up and off you go. The funny thing is every time we walk past the mirror, we always, like, look. I mean, it's like very few people, like, have no interest in looking at themselves in the mirror. I mean, even look for reflection in the glass. I mean, we're just wired that way. In a similar way, we're wired to take a look at the, at the book. And uh, you can do it two ways. You can say, you know, I'm going to be a very 
committed person. I'm going to read the Bible every day, and you're going to say, I'm going to spend five minutes a day reading the Bible. Well, that's like a quick look. You know, it's like doing Bible roulette. I've got no plan. It's just like, you know, God, today's another day. I've got no idea. It's just inspiring me somewhere. Somehow it's an inspired book. Okay, here it is. It's Ezra. Well, okay, they also offered the required burnt offerings and the offerings required by the new moon ceremonies and the festivals prescribed by the Lord. Four and a half minutes need five. And the people who gave voluntary offerings to the Lord. My gosh, voluntary, I'm out of here. It's five minutes. Let's go to work. Done. I mean, it can be like that. And who knows? Maybe God will speak to you through that. If he does, great. Sometimes it just does. You happen to hit a good section. But, you know, there's another way of doing it. As, as, as James is saying, if you look into the mirror and uh, you look at it carefully, oh, that's a whole different thing. You know, so you're carefully looking to, you've got a plan on how you're going to read through your Bible and you actually spend a bit of time in it. You, you know, once you're trying to dig into a section, even this little section, uh, maybe this week you say, I'm just going to go over the sermon and I'm going to look at this section the whole week. You'll realize pretty quickly that if you start digging into this, you need more than five minutes. Uh, and if you're going to really be asking God, you know, God, what are you saying to me in this? Uh, how does this work? Uh, you're just going to need more time. So uh, the second point, the first point I'm saying is accept it. The second point is reflect on it. Look intently into it. Reflect on it. Now, how do you reflect on the Bible? How do you read a section, any section of the Bible? How, how do you do it? How's a way of getting a little deeper than just superficial reading? Well, in our popular idea that I, I've mentioned to many of you that are new to the Bible or new to faith, is take a section, take this little section that we're doing today, which is James chapter 1, 19 through 20, you know, 27. And read it through and ask yourself this question. Read it through once, and then the second time you read it through, ask yourself this question. What in this section resonates with me? What I feel drawn to? What, what just seems to be making sense to me? Okay, and then take note of that, and then read it through again. And this time, ask the opposite question. What, when I read through this section, do I just, like, recoil from? What do I just feel like, ah, okay, make note of that. And the important thing is, why? Why are you resonating, or why are you recoiling as you read it? And I just, like, ponder that for a moment and ask God, God, are you saying something to me in this? Uh, another way of reading the Bible is ask yourself, like, is there a truth in this section that I need to learn? I mean, is there a truth? Is there, is there really a truth God is trying to say to me? Like, shut up and listen more. Is, is that really like pertinent for your life? You know, I, I can see the mom saying, I pick up my kid from school every day and I keep asking him, how was school? And he just says, fine. Let me suggest that if you want to get a better answer than fine from a teenager that you picked up from school, you, you better ask a much better question than how was your day? Because a teenager is not like interested in like regurgitating you know how the day went from the time you dropped him off through each class to the end and telling you that's just like not going to happen uh, and i see parents so often they're so frustrated you know just like i want my son to talk to me and well he just is fine <laughs> well ask something else you know like what is the best thing that happened today or what was the most like stressful thing that happened today or what are you looking forward to? i mean if you want to get something out of your dialogue you've got to 
press into it. If you want to get something out of the Bible, you've got to press into it. You have to think about questions you're asking the text. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to get fine. And fine is not fine. It's not good enough. So another thought might be, uh, not only is there truth to be learned, but maybe there's a warning that you need to heed. And maybe there's a warning you want. Maybe God is saying he has a sin that you need to confess. I mean, maybe it's just something jumps out. God, this is my problem. You've just nailed me on this today. I, I need to confess this. I'm struggling with this. Uh, I know the only way that I can overcome it is to firstly agree that this is my problem. I confess it to you. Lord, help me to overcome it. Help me to move on. Uh, maybe there's an example in the text of something you need to follow. Or maybe there's a promise to claim. Maybe there really is a promise to claim, like in this text. And in fact, uh, let me just read it to you. At the end of verse 25, you know, I read right over it and you heard it, but you probably didn't think of it in that light. But if you're thinking of it, is there a promise to claim? Here it is. Look what it says. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you. Now, most of us, like 99.9% .9 of us, want to be blessed by God. So if God is saying, I promise you, I will bless you, and it's saying it right in God's word, then maybe there's a promise here that we need to hang on to. And say, God, I want to be blessed by you. All right, well then back up. How will you get this blessing? If you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I mean, that's a simple, easy blessing. Take the word of God and put it into practice. Just do it. Look how James uh, finishes this little section. It says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. And then to make the point, to contrast it, uh, James says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans, and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Uh, you know, this is really a, just that those two verses is a real struggle for most of American Christianity, where we like to hear the Word of God, uh, we like to listen to it, we like to study it, we like to analyze it, and then that's all we like to do about it. And then we like to go to a Bible study, and we like to get more insights and more, you know, analyze a little bit more, and then that's all we do with it. And God is saying, no, 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 you can take a little bit of the truth of God and then do something about it. And so, you know, in this example, it's wonderful because it's so practical, and in some ways it seems so extreme. Pure and gen genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Wow. Take the word of God and apply it. Uh, and that's what uh, God really has for us. So I want to uh, end there uh, today. If one of the worship team uh, come on up. But God is asking us to be good listeners. 
uh, good listeners to him. If we can hear God and then do what God is saying, God is promising us that we will be blessed. And uh, I think this is a, a learned skill. To be a good listener, to be a good listener of others, uh, we need to ask good questions. If you're, if you're not getting the answer from your you know, teenager that you would like, let me suggest it's probably not your teenager's fault. It's probably you're not asking good enough questions. Uh, if you're not getting you know, a response from somebody you love, you want to find out more, you need to ask more questions. Uh, you need to have an attitude of where you have time and, and place. If you want to hear more from God, uh, you need to do the things that God asks us to do, uh, one of which is certainly reading His Word and pressing in and pressing in and asking God and reflecting on it and saying, where do I stand in this? And in doing that, God is promising us something really awesome. He will bless us. He will bless us. And many of us you know, will testify to that and say, yeah, God has truly blessed us. As we've shaped or changed our ways and become more like Christ, we, we, are, we are more blessed. That's what God uh, desires for us. Uh, I'm going to have um, Kevin come up today and uh, share what he did in the prayer meeting before. We like to pray and we like to ask God a question. Uh, in fact, we like to put this very idea into practice. And so when the prayer gather in the morning, team gather in the morning, the first part of the prayer time is, God, are you saying something? Can we just shut up and listen up? And it's very hard. You sit in the meeting, nobody's talking. Nobody's allowed to talk. We've just got to listen. And it's just like, God, I, you know, somehow, can you speak to us somehow, maybe, perhaps? And often we're just really surprised at how God will say something that's, that's pertinent for us. So maybe what Kevin's going to share is for you specifically. If it is, respond to it. Well, I'm setting you up there. <laughs> okay. Feels like after, after a delicious <laughs> preaching from the Word this morning, it's, it's hard to... Uh, to add uh, to that, but I, I do feel like the Lord wants to complement what was what was said this morning. So there was a sense this morning that the Lord wants to do uh, something new, and uh, perhaps that that something new is is uh, learning to apply the Word of God to to our lives. Um, there was a there was a picture, uh, sort of a story picture of uh, making stone soup. And, and the sense was that, uh, you know, you sort of have nothing to bring to the soup but, but stones, you know, and, and maybe sometimes it feels like we have nothing to bring to God, but he can, he can make the, the little bit that we have into something good, so, something. Um, so per, perhaps the application is, is uh, you know, spending that little bit of time with God and, and uh, he can he can make something good out of it. Maybe you feel like you don't have an hour to give to him, but you have five minutes. He can he can make it into something good. And and then lastly, sort of this picture of um, fruit preserves, and uh, that the fruit, the the things that we can give to God, that He can spend the time with us, uh, cooking us up, mixing us up, stirring us up. And making something new, ma making a change, uh, a, a new, you know, fruit preserves. Um, sounds pretty delicious. 
so I, I just I believe there there's an invitation to to come to God and and apply His Word uh, to our lives. And if you'd like prayer for anything else, we we'd love to pray with you. Why don't you stand and let's do a closing song, and then we'll come forward for prayer. Lord Jesus, uh, we just acknowledge that uh, we belong to you. We give you freedom to transform us from within. Lord, we desire to be blessed by you. And so, Lord, I just pray a blessing on your people as they go out from here. Lord, as they press into you and put into practice the things that you're putting on our hearts to do, uh, Lord, that uh, we will be blessed. We thank you for your promises and your truth. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ken, why don't you give us the, uh, the back lights there, Dave? That'll be great. Uh, if you want prayer for, you know, maybe you're saying, God, just transform me. Uh, I just need to be transformed by you. I'm just struggling uh, to change myself, but I truly know that I need to be transformed. There's a particular issue you, you, you know, you're struggling with, and you're saying, God, just transform me. Uh, come on up and just allow our prayer team to pray for you. Otherwise, I, I know you're really disappointed that I'm finishing early. I, I mean, I know this is really going to mess up your day that we're early, uh, but uh, don't get your kids. <laughs> leave your kids. Uh, uh, you can go and have some coffee, uh, but just leave your kids for another five minutes and then go and pick them up. Uh, but our service is done. Bless you. Go out in the lobby, get coffee, one prayer, come forward, or if you want to just hang in your chair, just sit and pray. Uh, that's great too. Bless you.